All right, three, two, one, and we're going. Uh, welcome, Bowtie Bully. Thanks for jumping on to Daily DGens, uh, Bowtie Barbary. And looking to have a conversation, not sure we'll go. Have a couple talking points, but before we dive in, I want to mention your Substack. So your Substack so far is covered, excuse me, traveling and cooking. Uh, where do you kind of see your Substack going? Yep. So those are pretty much the, the two topics I've covered in the, the majority of, of my writing so far. I think it's probably going to stay along the line. I was kind of thinking it was going to kind of delve into one or the other, but it seems kind of across the board feedback has been pretty even what people want to see. So I'm going to keep driving both of those home. I'm, I'm hoping to create some more um, in-depth cooking guides and some more in-depth point stuff just to kind of provide some more detailed um, research for people there. Cause I know there's a, bunch of stuff on everything, but I don't think it's as focused as I think a lot of people want. So I'm trying to just get down to the, the simple detailed nitty gritty of so people can actually just start having actionable stuff off the top there. So that's really my my goals there to try to make it it's easy for people to find in, in one place and not have to, you know, weave through all the bullshit. Actual advice and, and getting to the point. Yeah, for sure. There's one thing I hate. It's it's going down an entire list of things to find the one thing I was looking for at the bottom. For listeners not familiar Bully's cooking substack covered equipment, uh, recipes, uh, different kinds of pans, different ways to cook meats versus vegetables. It was quite broad and it kind of head to toe, nose to tail in your in your kitchen, no pun intended. Uh, so I'm kind of curious is uh, will you kind of get specific? For example, uh, you mentioned um, cooking with a cast iron skillet and you mentioned the art of using a grill as the happy medium for, for meat. So I'm just trying to get a picture in my mind of, of what kind of content to see coming down on the Substack. Yeah. So I think you kind of hit the kind of where I'm, I'm going in the immediate future with it being summer for sure. Um, the grilling, I think is one of the things that I think is one of the, it's one of the easier and harder ways to cook things. The more in depth you go into it, it can get really specific and really hard to use it. But I think a lot of people are afraid of it and they don't need to be. It's the, easiest way you can cook some things and it makes it hides a lot of things that you can do and it but it makes it easier to make bulk stuff which is great for summertime we just have a bunch of, of meal prep things to do so i'm hoping to go down some some grilling either meal prep ideas or some just grilling techniques things like that just because i think that's something that could benefit a lot of people there because i think um mass making food makes things a lot easier for people because people i think across the board they seemingly don't enjoy cooking as much as a lot of people do so um, whatever makes it easier for them to, to get the good stuff in their diet, I think I can, I can help out with. It, it does seem to be a function of time, doesn't it? Where it's, it, we all want to be healthy or eat certain foods, but there's a matter of convenience and for sure. of course cost, but time is also a stickler. For sure. And that's one of the nice parts about the grill is like, depending on what size, even if you have a smaller one, you can, you can cook easily enough for a week in about 30, 40 minutes. If you, depending on what you're making there. And I think, it doesn't take a lot to, to make something on the grill taste really freaking good. And if I can help some people out with that, I think they'll be more adept to try to like, go to the next level and say, hey, made this. It's pretty good. What else can I do this? And then especially as we get into the, the next parts of the year, as they get forced indoors, depending on where you are, you can start exploring a little bit more in your actual kitchen. Right. But for now, we're in barbecue season. We're in grill season. Exactly. <laughs> you mentioned one of your tweets, uh, looking to – Bring up an e-commerce site by the end of June. Uh, are you willing to go sp get specific in what you're trying to sell or how that works with your brand that's growing? For example, I mean, you're knowledgeable in cooking and traveling. So, for example, would you be selling something related to uh, recipes or some action in the kitchen? Yeah, that's that's kind of the, the thought process I was going down. Um, I'm still trying to decide whether or not it's going to be more of a kind of an kind of a, what do you call it, a, um, an info type product or if it's going to be an actual physical product. That's still kind of my main decision right now. I have the kind of basis in terms of strategy I want to use, kind of the layout and kind of the, the path I want to go down. It's more or less what the actual product itself is going to be. And I think that's that's what I'm going to try to decide, hopefully over this, this weekend and, and not to get too caught up in the paralysis by analysis type item there. The biggest thing I know is, is getting started and, and trying things out. You won't know if it works until you get in there. So that's really kind of what I'm trying to, to get out. <laughs> Only one way to find out. Exactly. And if it fails, it fails. I mean, I think everyone, there's too many people who are afraid to 
to go out there and, and not have something work or they give up after like a month because it's not working. I mean, no one wants to sink their time, but you're not going to know unless you go out there. And if you fail, I mean, it's you tried. I mean, it's not it's not enough at some points, but I mean, you got to do it to do it. And if you never do it, you'll never know if it worked or not. And you learn something either way. Going into, I think it was maybe Ox's live stream the other day. Uh, someone asked, you know, getting your first sale. It's like, once you've sold, you've made the first couple of sales, you realize, wow, some strangers on the internet just bought my shit. And all the marketing and the sales and the web design, supply chain logistics, it actually works. This can be done and this can be scaled. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's crazy. I mean, even if you take it down, even outside of the e-commerce world, like I think of the Substack, I, I see some like the people who are subscribing or the people who are engaging with stuff I'm writing on there. And that's just content among a bunch of anonymous people on the internet. But that's even kind of cool to see like, hey, people are actually interested in what I have to say. People are actually interested in, in kind of what I'm putting out as like a product and quote unquote um, kind of words that I'm putting out there. So um, I mean, even from that perspective, you can see it. it. It's it's kind of addicting how you kind of get that out there, and you just want to provide more stuff for people. And I know once you get shift to e-commerce, and there's even monetary behind it. I mean, that's even going to be even further in there for sure. I think it's it's a motivating factor to see people actually want what you are putting out there, and to have that kind of translate directly into um, your bank account is even even more fulfilling. I, I think we're on the same page there. It's it's a little addicting when you're putting out content, free information, value, actual advice, you're putting all this time in yet almost getting off on people who are using it and interacting with it and reading it and appreciating what you're providing for them. For sure. And the, there's no guarantee that they were going to like it when you put it out there. I don't know about you when, when you start putting stuff out there, but I know for myself, I'm, I'm definitely not a natural writer. Per se, I haven't. I've never kind of put stuff out there in the kind of a written format like this, in a blog format or anything like that. So, I mean, I was kind of expecting nobody to even read it at all. And then when people started to, I was like, "This is this is really cool that we have a community that's willing to to kind of explore everyone's topics and not just either ignore it or jump on people's throat if there's something they don't like. They actually are going to give you some feedback and and give you some some information to work off of. So, I thought that was a really cool thing when we started kind of getting the the jungle up and running. Absolutely. And I mean, you were there, let's say early, but time moves fast in the jungle. So let's say Clown Haddon was April 27th, excuse me, 27th. Mm -hmm. And then early May, I think I made an account and you had already had an account. I remember this because I was getting confused when you type in Bowtie B, yeah. <laughs> Bull, you get Bull, Bulldog and Bully. And for a while I was mixing up you, Bully and Bulldog. And I'm like, okay, Two of those are not bull, but I can't. And I know they both eat meat, and it's they work online, and uh, it's it's kind of cool to see this kind of uh, this unraveling. So, how did you get here? Like two strangers having a conversation, animal avatar. Like, how did you get here to almost? You're going to set up an ecom store, got a Substack. Like, what was that inflection point? You got into the bull tag community. Yeah. So. I think the first time I came across what was um, Wall Street Playboy at the time, as we know, know it's it's Bowtie Bull. First time I came across him was probably back, probably like six or seven years ago. Um, I was just uh, in college, kind of doing as college kids do when they're kind of thinking of jobs and just googling about investment banking, money, and it's like the salaries that come along with it. And of course, a few of his articles early on were exactly that topic, and then kind of found his site and was uh was popping around and just kind of got kind of really intrigued by all the stuff he was putting out there started following him on twitter just kind of following everything that he was kind of putting out there and the more stuff that that came especially recently was just kind of connecting the dots and and the more i even got into crypto after that as well um the more his stuff just started even making more sense from a philosophical standpoint just about how we think about traditional financial systems, how people interact with each other. It just started just really even hitting home the more I got into just the professional world and just out of just kind of, I guess, the, the pre-professional world that I was in. And you just kind of see all these different things lining up and, and propaganda and all these different real life scenarios. And um, 
it just kind of when it morphed into what it became over the past year, just really was just a community that I knew I wanted to be a part of and, and connect with. And there's just so many smart people with different viewpoints. That's it's just how could you not want to just get involved with these people? Right. Have you seen offline or online a group like this where you have, let's say, almost this filter where everyone's about grinding and producing content and getting after it? How do you see experience anything like this online or offline? <clears throat> so the closest I come from like a group of people, like all kind of with like the same mentality or goal or kind of destination. Like I was a, I was a college athlete and that was kind of the closest environment I had to that, um, which is still very different. It's not necessarily, um, there's still from that perspective, everybody kind of has their own unique thing they're striving for. It might not necessarily all kind of align from a team perspective. It does, but not necessarily the individual person. Um, this is the first time where I've kind of seen all these different people who have their own goals, but they all relate to kind of the same thing. And they're all kind of made up of the same characteristics, but all come from different walks of life, which that part is very similar to being on um, an athletics team is that you have all these different people from different walks of life. Um, but I think this is definitely a unique thing, especially from an, an online community. And I think, especially us being anonymous, I think a lot of times people take anonymity, I can't even say that word, being anonymous as something that they can use to say like negative things about people or do negative things or it just kind of troll people, but not in the way that we kind of see that's in kind of a, um, a positive way, I would say, in our community. I think a lot of times it's just these anonymous people just don't have the backbone to say stuff. Whereas in our community, we are anonymous for a purpose and we're trying to do good and we're trying to produce things and create an actual community instead of just being a bunch of jokers on the internet who just want to yell at like 12 year olds. It, it, it almost feels like that's how, that's how it started. And when Bowtie took his whole like Substack offline Wall Street Playboys, people who, I mean, my background, I did a semester uh, in downtown Manhattan. Like, I, that was me following BTB or Wall Street Playboys, like, gonna do investment banking and I'm gonna do this year by year playbook. And then I'm like, no. Ironically, I discovered Bitcoin in New York when there were like two Bitcoin ATMs in Manhattan. I had to walk an hour to find one. Um, of course, now there's hundreds, and it's like it, it, realizing almost, yes, if I can change my mind that I'm curious five years from now, 10 years from now, what will I be so sure of today that I'll realize wasn't true at all? For sure. And I think being able to, some people think that they need to think the same way for so long. And that changing your mind shows that you were wrong or a weakness or something like that, um, which is, can't be farther from the truth. <laughs> we see Bowtie, Bowtie Bull kind of mention that like, he might be writing differently, not writing differently, but he might be having a different viewpoint or, or change his kind of view on something. And he's very open about doing it. And he doesn't take that as being a negative thing, which he shouldn't. You, It's not negative. You need to adapt. You need to evolve. And, and some people are so afraid to do that to think that it's a, a sign of weakness when it really is kind of honestly strength because you're acknowledging that things change over time and you need to be able to adapt to it because I think adaptability is probably one of the most underrated but most important traits that somebody can have to succeed in whatever they're doing. If you could go back and uh, listeners unfamiliar, your background is in like B2B sales, like that's what you kind of do for a living, give or take. Yeah, give or take. Yeah, that's essentially kind of around it. Yeah. If you could go back to, let's say, the early 2010s, wherever you were, uh, and how old you were exactly isn't as important as what would you do differently? The mindset you have now, the perspective you have now, what's something you would do differently? Hindsight's 2020 or 2021, if you want to call it. Yeah, so that's a, that's a really good one. I think at that time, I probably would not be as kind of warped in the idea that you need to follow like a certain path that people find acceptable to get success. So I think in, at least in the United States, I know there's people from all over the place in the jungle. So at least in the United States, like the typical thing that they bring you up to believe is you need to 
go through middle school, go through high school, get your good grades, don't piss anyone off, go to college and come out, just any job, just get a job, make some money and just kind of go about your life that way. And that's kind of the way that people think of success, at least in America, is basically like you do those things, you do well in school, you get a good job and you that's all you need to do when in reality, that doesn't really kind of get you ahead anywhere. It doesn't get you to achieve a lot of things that most people want, but most people aren't willing to do the things that they need to because they're not taught that they have to do it. They're taught that they have to basically go through life on this one set plan, accept the outcomes of it, and then that's really the best you're going to get. And if I were thinking back then, I would think, okay, what can I do to make this path a little bit more unique? What can I do to really go above what other people are doing to set myself even more ahead later down the road so that I have these different opportunities? So whether that be exposing myself to more um, interaction with sales roles, taking up more um, initiative online and, and really getting into the, the online sales type of environment that really wasn't as pertinent as it is now, back then, getting ahead that way. Is really just kind of thinking about how can I do things in a better way than people aren't thinking of and utilizing the internet to the best of its abilities. Then obviously also, you know, investing in Bitcoin and Ethereum back then. Well, I guess right. not Ethereum, but Bitcoin for sure. <laughs> right. So actually, it's funny you mentioned a little tangent of Bitcoin, Ethereum, maybe not Ethereum. Uh, one of your tweets mentioned two fears. First one, not accumulating enough Bitcoin. And the second one was, I forget, but it was some kind of like satire. Uh, in the 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 hype Ethereum, you know, Ethereum flipping, of course, Bowtie Bull uh, hyping Ethereum, and then eventually DeFi. Where do you kind of stand in that proof of work, proof of stake debate, and the Elon energy fud and uh, everything going on? Um, is is the majority of your percentage wise more Bitcoin or more Ethereum? Well, at least let's start there. So you stand. Is my internet there? I think I might have lost you there for a second. Yeah, I'm, I hear you. I hear you. There you go. Okay. Yeah, I think I might have. Percentage-wise, are you more Bitcoin? I heard the, I think most of the question. Me, I am definitely more Ethereum percentage-wise now after the past year for sure. I was about even probably for a while, um, obviously with kind of things kind of how they've gone. I think I've, I've also invested more into Ethereum over the past year than, than into Bitcoin. But Ethereum is really what got me into crypto. When I did get into crypto, I remember reading through things and kind of knowing what Bitcoin was for a while, not necessarily the, the intricacies of it, but I've, I'd heard of it and the zeitgeist and, and what have you there. And then when I've oh, kind of the year. <laughs> zeitgeist. Yeah. That's all I was Yeah. <laughs> And so, like, I kind of would keep an eye on it, kind of see what it was, not really know too much about crypto. But when the year I actually took the plunge and invested in the crypto, I remember reading about Ethereum for the first time and kind of it just clicked to me. It's like, this is, this can change things in ways that is well beyond just being a, an online currency that most people consider. Still, and today, probably consider most of these things. But when I remember first reading about Ethereum and smart contracts and, and all of that, and I was just like, that same day is when I invested in crypto for the first time. I was like, this is going to change things. And this is going to be something that's not just going to live on the internet in a small subset of people. Like, this is, this is going to be something. So that was really what kind of pushed me there. Then obviously made sure I was exposed to Bitcoin and, and what have you there. Programmable hey, money. Hey, Bully. Oh, What's up, man? Welcome, Sponge. Oh, so hi. Sponge. Hey, yo. it's not like I haven't talked to you the last like four days. <laughs> I, was, yeah. I almost missed you. I know. I know. Me too. If we're, if we're apart for more than like an hour at a time, I start getting nervous. <laughs> like, hey, Bully, I, I got a question for you, man. Uh, what's your take on the whole Link Marine situation? Because, I mean, I've been looking at the various forms of crypto in terms of like levels of abstraction and like the possibility for scaling. And I'm not going to lie. I mean, after I listened to a few podcasts uh, with Sergey Nazarov, and I've been reading through part of their white paper. And well, the parts of it that I understood seem pretty good. 
I mean, do you think that there's an argument for the relative size of the market for different cryptocurrencies? You know, as you move away from, say, like gold to you know Ethereum being the equivalent of the digital finance to you know Link, which I mean, in theory, could be the equivalent of like digital media. Yeah. So to me, like the way I always think about the different altcoins, because there's thousands of them at this point, it's, I always try to think of what the actual use case is going to be, how it fits into kind of the grander scheme of things. And when I say the grander scheme of things, I kind of think of Ethereum and Web like 3.0 and that kind of thing. Because I think at this point, it, that's kind of a, the mainstay of, of how we kind of consider those things. And like, how do these other things fit into that? So I don't think it's going to ever be bigger than like Ethereum. I think it can grow in, in kind of alongside it. But from an overall like valuation or, or market cap standpoint or however you want to kind of think of it, I think that Link itself, there are competitors, but I think one, there's such a loyal following behind the Link with the Link Marines and everything like that, but I don't know how, it would have to take something, I think, revo revolutionary to a degree to kind of use They're ready it. for war, boy. Yeah, exactly. So I think it's going to have to be some technology that just, you can't even kind of say that there's any chance that it's even in the same league. Um, but I just think that there's such a first mover advantage there as well. And and they're just there's been no issues with what they have to do. So I mean it's not like it's a bad product as it is. So um, and there's I feel like there's always some new partnership or something that's coming out with them there. So I mean, I think that there's plenty of room for it because I don't think it's trying to do something that a more well established like altcoin is trying to do. It's not like um, a Bitcoin cash going after Bitcoin or something like that. Like this is its own kind of section of web 3.0 it's basically the best in class as of right now of what it's doing in terms of popularity and kind of adaption adoption so i don't see it going anywhere at this point i mean regardless of price and what's going on with that kind of whole fud and all that stuff but i just i think that i i think it's very possible that it grows the same way that ethereum would grow yeah that'll be pretty good man I mean, I want to see what happens between that and like, I mean, it depends. Like if it starts getting celebrity backing, that'd be really funny. Like imagine if like if it starts to pop the way Doge did, because I'm invested a little bit in Doge right now. And that's just because I have like a good 5% of my money. But I like to put oh, my... sponge. Wait, saying you invest in Doge is like saying you got yeah. a, a little coke no. habit on the side. That, oh, uh, no, no, no. Only no, no, certain no. friends you talk about. Okay, maybe, but also hear me out. Okay. Uh, so, no, th there is uh, there's, like this hypothesis I've had for a while now, which is that, you know, whenever Elon Musk starts tweeting about something, I just throw money at it. So, when Elon started freaking out about the price of Tesla, I sold Tesla. When he said it was a good idea again, I bought that. When, you know, back when he started tweeting about GME, I bought GME. When he said not that GME wasn't any good, I sold GME. So far, my Elon Musk tweet fund is actually up 400% year over year. I'm just saying, like, there's an argument there. Can we put that into like an NFT slash like smart contract and just auto DCA into a Elon Musk? I'm just saying, uh, I think tweet fund. There's, there's an entire investment thesis you could make off of just Elon Musk's whims, and you might actually make money off of it. So, question with Sponge and, and Bully both here. So, Sponge, you have, I believe, is it three citizenships United States, uh, Greece, uh, and somewhere else? Uh, that's correct. Yeah, yeah, Bahamas too. And Bully, your, uh, your sub stack talks about uh, traveling, using airline points to almost travel for free. How has traveling kind of changed in this, this post-COVID world? Like, has your your strategy or what you want to do in terms of travel uh, changed? So in, for, for me, in terms of what I want to do, it hasn't changed. I more or less are, am from a destination standpoint, just reviewing the individual countries, you know, guidelines around COVID and, and all that stuff. But um, from a, a strategy of, points and stuff that's where i think it gets a little bit interesting because all, all these different all these different ways that you can benefit off of points and all these different ways that you can benefit off of redemptions it's very airline or hotel specific and as you start going into these partner airlines you go into these different kind of nuances behind these different charts they obviously belong to different countries so countries like so turkish airlines one of the most highly frequented 
airline that's that's out there was shut down for a large portion of the past year and a half, more than, than most other places because of the way COVID affected them. So there's certain partners that or certain airlines that you might not want to investigate or, or gain points in from different credit cards that are major redemption partners of that airline because of the way that the routes have shut down, where it's a route network that was traditionally rather large and easy to use points, not so much anymore. So now you got to refocus your effort elsewhere on how you're going to allocate your points and how you're going to kind of move things there. So um, that's kind of more of an intricate way of kind of thinking about the points there. But I think that's something that as you start getting into the hobby, you'll realize that as the route network shrinks, you have to start rethinking about where you're going to use your points on. And then that's going to naturally bring you to kind of the different um, avenues. And one of the biggest things that's occurred too, is that with these different um, either places, uh, the, the way the economy was hit, it's, you could see it in the, the different offerings that these credit cards are, are kind of putting forth right now. We've been seeing some of the, the biggest bonuses that we've seen in the past probably five or six years occur in the past probably six months. Um, and most people would probably think that's a good thing, but it's really not because you're, you're basically seeing that translate to an increase in the redemption costs of a lot of things. So you're seeing the inflation that you're seeing in the economy trickle down even to the points world. So um, there's a lot of big bonuses out there, which would normally be an exciting thing. It's kind of, to me, just signaling things are going to get a little bit harder to get value out of in the points world in the future. The credit card thing is super interesting. You just brought up there. There was an article in the Wall Street Journal like a couple of weeks back, I think, that was talking about how credit card companies were all freaking out because they're about to become unprofitable because of how many Americans have paid off their credit card debt during COVID, ironically, yeah. right? So that, that's interesting. I mean, like, now you said that that was a bad thing. Could you elaborate on that? Uh, I, I'm not sure I, I understand. I mean, I, I would have thought that people getting out of debt is good, even if it means fewer redemptions, right? Because that's like a net win in terms of capital preserved. Right. So that's a good thing. So when I say it's a bad thing, I mean, it's a bad thing from a airline loyalty program perspective or oh, loyalty yeah, yeah, yeah. perspective. Makes yeah. Sense. Because Whenever you see these big bonuses from the credit card, because these credit cards have to buy those points from those different avenues. Like that's right. how they kind of gain them in the first place. They're not just necessarily gifted them or are able to kind of get them for a discount. Like they're paying for those things to offer us part of their credit cards in the hope that people will use those credit cards. They'll get the transaction money from it and then they'll also get the late fees potentially. So if you're seeing increases in those as people pay off debt, that means that they're paying what they're paying for those miles is either going down and, or they're getting it for the same price, but they know they're not going to be worth as much. And that's just going to signal to me that these airlines and these different hotels, they plan on raising those redemptions because they're not going to just give all these things out at a lower price if they're not going to make it, if they're going to hurt themselves even more on the back end. So, yeah. um, and we've seen this directly. One of the examples is Delta. Delta over mm -hmm. the past year has increased um, specifically European one-way um, redemptions and business class used to be 65,000 one way. It's all the way up at 105,000. Um, so, I mean, you've got a almost 50% increase there and the, but the credit cards have also increased. So um, you're getting more miles in your credit cards, but takes way more to actually use those miles. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I want to make a comment, and this is a little bit more generally about airlines and travel as a whole. So uh, something really interesting is like when this whole COVID business happened, uh, this is you know, maybe March of 2019. It was no 2020, March 2020. Um, I uh, I immediately invested a stupid amount of money into airlines. Uh, and I did that on purpose because of an investment thesis that basically went along the lines of like, I'm pretty sure people are still going to be flying, mm -hmm. just not necessarily as much. Right. Um, fortunately, that investment has paid off. Uh, pretty much everything I invested in has doubled since then. Uh, now, granted, given inflation, that maybe is only worth half as much as the nominal value, but still, you know, it's something. Um, what was interesting about it, though, when I was following this is the um, I think it's actually still undervalued which is kind of remarkable because the price has remained relatively steady in, in the stock for about the past four months, uh, despite the fact that the vaccine's out. And if you actually look at the, the flight numbers uh, as reported by TSA, what's really funny, because this all relates back to something Bull tweeted too, with regard to how we're going to see a, a massive rise in inflation in the summer because of the increase in uh, the velocity of money. 
Uh, right. Supply went vertical. Now velocity is going vertical. Exactly right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so what, what's remarkable is that literally just in the last two weeks, we saw a spike over forty percent in airline passengers uh, being reported by TSA. So, uh, but but the price in the stock hasn't reflected that at all. So, uh, just a heads up. I, this is not investment advice, but I am really excited about what's about to happen in the uh, quarter two earnings report for some of these airlines. Uh, because, you know, as far as travel is concerned, I think people are actually starting to do it again. Um, yeah, I think I read that 2021 is supposed to be even higher than 2019. Oh, in yeah. Terms of travel. I, I believe that 100%. People have pent up demand. That's going to be a big deal. Uh, l- looking back at history, when the Spanish flu ended in like 1920-ish, I mean, they call it a decade of the roaring 20s, but like people went nuts relative to the time. Like oh, they, yeah. people let loose. And it's, it's, it's human nature at that point. I mean, you, and I'm not even human nature. It's kind of animal nature at that point. I mean, you put something where someone can't have it anymore that they're used to having. As soon as they can have it again, they're going to go above what they were before. Like it's just how many times do you see people who um, are maybe like overweight or what have you, they kind of starve themselves to get down to a certain weight. They're looking good. As soon as they can start having pizza again, they're gaining more weight than they did before. I mean, that's directly, it's one of the directly translatable things. It's just a natural human nature that's going to be translated across their entire life. I feel you, man. This is why Catholic girls are the freaks. I swear to God. Okay. <laughs> we all know. This is from the guy who would pick up chicks at BLM process. So hey, your mileage may vary. They were freaks too. Are you kidding me? I was having a great time. Okay. In both cases. Okay. They were pressed. Like, oh, no, no. The Catholic girl's like, no, no. Jesus said you can't have a guy. Okay. All right. All right. Wait till she goes to college. And then, then <laughs> <laughs> you know, and then the BLM protest, it's like also the same thing. Oh, no, no. You're not allowed to actually go with the guys that have real testosterone. One shows up. Ah. It's fair game. Uh, bully question. Uh, back to your cooking. So I was kind of, well, an idea for my own Substack was kind of a daily or in the case of lifting, let's say you're doing a push-pull leg, you're doing, let's say, five days a week, is putting up Substacks and then scheduling them for later to publish on, let's say, that Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, uh, Friday, Saturday, and having a workout recommended like diet, breakfast, lunch, dinner, and maybe some other stuff like meditations, but carried away here in your cooking kind of food for thought, no pun intended is you publishing on different days. Like, Hey, here's your meal for today. Like here's your dinner. Here's your recipe. Here's, here's how you cook it. Ingredients, some photos, uh, variations. And like, that's something people, Hey, what am I doing for dinner? I need to check my inbox and see what Bully told me to eat today. Yeah, I, I think that's an awesome idea. And it was actually something I was thinking of. I'm going on a, I'm actually going on a, a trip here in a, in a little bit, but I was hoping like after I got back from that and I got more on the, cause I was kind of in a cutting phase at that point. And quite honestly, nobody really wants to see my, my boring cutting meals at this point. <laughs> They're not going to necessarily want to see a bunch of chicken and rice and stuff like that. Not that it's not integral, but I mean, from a content perspective, there's only so right. much you can do to make that a little bit. It's not spiced up there. Exactly. But yeah. once we can kind of get back into doing like the not, not dirty meals, but things that are a little bit more lively and a little bit more um, kind of spiced up there. Um, that's actually something I was, I was thinking about doing um, to some degree, kind of a little bit similar. Um, but like, I think it's a great idea because I think a lot of times I know I do this. I'll kind of think, hmm, what do I want to have tomorrow? Or what do I want to have the next day? And I'll be scrolling through Instagram or Twitter or something like that. And I'll see something like, how can I make this healthy? Well, I'll do it now. Maybe some other people want to see that and maybe I could throw that in there. So I think that's something interesting because I think a lot of people just either think of good or bad foods as opposed to how can I make that unhealthy meal into a healthier version that tastes just as good. Fortunately, no, uh, no magic pills is always a trade-off. I know, I know, but there's you can make some stuff that's that's pretty dang good. That's that's still healthy for you, which I don't. What care. are what are most? Uh, and, and it's hard to see what the audience is without you know collecting data over time. But and of course, semi-anonymous is. What do you see as a typical piece they're missing in in someone who's reading your Substack or just in the Bowtie community? What's the tip? What's the number one or common hole they need to plug in their diet in the cooking? I think it's 
thinking that one food group or one type of thing needs to be eliminated for their body to kind of react to kind of functioning properly. Now, I know there's a, there's a lot of things like, like a typical carnivore diet. It's probably going to be one of the, the better things that you can do. But I think most people just starting out or most people just getting into what they need to do from a, a fitness and from a nutritional standpoint, they're not going to be able to make the leap going right from their daily thing into a full carnivore diet as optimal as that would be. Um, I, so I think, but I, but I think too, they, they think that, okay, I, there's no way I can cut out all these carbs. I, there's no way I can do that. And they just don't even try to, to oh, kind no. of, you can totally, totally do it. You can totally do it. Just power through the shits, man. You got it. You, you can. You <laughs> can. But, but people don't want to. You just grit through that stuff with a smile on your face. You enjoy it. <laughs> it's a good time. What Bull mentioned is sugar addicting. Well, I replied that I like to quote Nissan to let author Black Swan. He goes, carbohydrates, heroin, and monthly salaries are the three worst addictions. And That's true. This, this card, we love our pastas, our pizzas, our bagels. You know, whether from New York, California, we can carbs. And getting over it is I don't crave carbs anymore. But it took me years to get to that point where I don't, I don't want sugar. I just I want steak. Exactly. And I think it, it's not everyone's fault, too, because it's there's so much information that's been coming out since like the 1950s that had a certain way that people had to eat. And you grow up not really knowing that you're five or six years old. You only know what your parents are going to put out on the table for you. If they've been putting out a bunch of carbs, a bunch of processed foods, like that's all you're used to. And that's all you know. And I still talk to my own parents and the amount of misinformation they still have on. on well, I hope you still talk to your parents. but. Uh... <laughs> Um, Let's hope they still talk to you after they find out that you're part of our DJ Island Twitter. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's a whole other story. <laughs> um, but like, it's just the misinformation around some stuff, and it's not that they're it's their fault. There just wasn't the information at the time, but the information's there now, and I think people are just stuck in the way that they grew up in terms of the amount of, of the way that they ate. That they think that that has to be the right way because that's how their parents taught them. Where for a lot of things in life, that may be true, but food's definitely not the way for that i mean you need to, to understand how your own body works how the the general body works optimally and kind of mend those two things together to figure out what works for you bully i have a question related to that you know i know that uh, i think we're, we're all in agreement here about you know getting more towards a meat and low carb diet being ideal um how do you feel about uh including some carbs like like right now i'm eating some quinoa is that something that is you know like what? Hold up, guys. I need to go uh, find Sponge's Twitter account and block him. Uh, what? Are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> it's good. Hey, it comes from Peru, just like the ayahuasca, right? Oh, hey. Uh, did I say quinoa? I meant uh, uh, can't get my uh, plants right. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, but like there have to be – I mean, I imagine like in the scope of carbs that you could eat, right? There's a hierarchy. Right. Uh, if you had to add a few in just to get the normies on board, which ones would you go for? Yeah. And so I'll, I guess I'll say I'm not like completely anti carb because I think that there's, especially for feeling a workout, you definitely need those. So it's definitely, I'm not full carnivore for sure. I definitely have carbs in my diet, but I definitely don't have them nearly as high as they used to be just because I know that my own body felt, I felt way better when I kind of decreased them a bit. But I'd say like, like, if you have rice and potatoes, I mean, that's the, the typical like bodybuilder type thing where like you just, those are the thing, only carbs that you can have. But that's to me, it's like those are going to digest better than most carbs you're going to have. They're not going to stick around as much. They're more flexible in terms of what you can do with them than some sort of processed bagel or something like that, that you kind of are just going to load up with some, some jam or something along those lines. But I mean, you can do a lot with some, some potatoes and some rice and, even some, some sourdough toast because of just the, the lower amount of ingredients that you can put into it. I mean, it's better. It's way better than your, your processed white bread or something like that. And you basically, I think, have like four or five ingredients in it. And you get some natural sourdough in there. You can kind of make yourself some good meals and pair that with your protein throughout the day. And you can make some, some pretty good stuff with that. Sounds good to me, man. Go, Scott. Go ahead, Switch. What? Uh, oh, I, I can go ahead. All oh, right, cool. So, Switch, like, by the way, I just loved how you popped in. It was like, it, that okay, long dude, run, you post. I, I 
No, no, Barbara, you posted the studio link. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm still figuring out streetwear. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it later. Yeah, yeah. But there's a way so you can make this video, like, as it is right now, go direct to your Twitter and, like, be, like, live like this. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll walk you through it. But, I mean, as long as it's recording, it shouldn't be an issue. Yeah. But, yeah. No, dude, of course, I'd love to come hang out with you guys. I, I mean, I, I think, uh, we have Bully, you and I were, were DMing a few days ago, too, right? Yes. Yeah, we were. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I'm going to get you on, on the podcast, too, because that, that's going to be dope. Um, good. But, yeah, man. Uh, you know, so tell me something then <clears throat> with regard to, uh, to lifting. I want to bring this back to there. Um, what exactly would you do if you are trying to bulk, but you're also going on the low carb route? Is there anything you can do to mitigate the stress that, that would otherwise you know put on you? Yeah, that's a tough one because I mean, cars in themselves, I mean, there's two ways to look at it. You have like the typical like day-to-day diet of, of, the, of people who aren't necessarily trying to, to get big or, or bulk or anything like that that are trying to be healthy people where I think it's a little bit easier to keep the carbs low because you just don't need as much. Even if you are working out, your body just doesn't need to optimize them there. Once you start trying to, to put on some some serious mass or, or get into the competitive realm like Ox is, it's, it's really hard to get to that higher level of true like lean mass that you're putting on without adding some carbs. Um, reason for that is it's just, it's a lot easier on your digestion and just your overall kind of well-being just to, to load in a bunch of, of rice into a meal as opposed to adding in a double portion of meat just because your body's just, it's, it is hard to digest protein. Um, and you're just not going to also get as much benefit out of that much protein at that high of levels that you would get if you added some carbs in there because carbs are just naturally protein sparing. You're going to optimize more of your protein if you have some more carbs in there. And as you get higher and and that protein count and, and that calorie count, that's going to matter a lot more as you try to build that mass up. So um, if you're really trying to put on some serious mass and from like a bodybuilder perspective, there's really there's anomalies out there, but it's really hard to, to really kind of do that from a, a low carb perspective. But um, if you're trying to just build a little bit of muscle or not necessarily be competitive or be a mass monster by any means, I think you could definitely do it from a not necessarily keto style, but if you time your, your carbs in a certain way around your workouts and get the most out of them from that perspective and kind of up your, your protein and fats outside of that, I think you can definitely do that. Um, it's kind of what, what's that line you're trying to reach in terms of how big you're trying to get. Um, how do you balance out the possibility of like glycogenesis too, right? Isn't there like a case where protein turns itself into some kind of glucose if you have too much of it? Yeah, I honestly, I think that's, unless you're doing it to like the extremes, I don't think you necessarily have to worry that. I don't think that the common person is, who's trying to just lower their carbs completely is going to have need to worry about that. I, I think that that's kind of on the extreme side, if you were to really drop things a lot, I mean, from a, again, from everything's going to be amplified, the more you're trying to get to that true like bodybuilding side and you're trying to put on serious mass or be seriously leaner or those types of things. And that's when you can start to necessarily think about the, the adverse effects of that. But if you're going that extreme and you're just trying to get a little bit in shape, I would say you don't need to go to those levels. I think you can do what you need to do. Um, it's, I think they're probably pushing the time more than anything else. Cause I think people get a little bit impatient when it comes to results. I'm with it, man. Bullock get jacked. I'm a fan. <laughs> oh, gosh. What else you got, Barbary? Is these spaces with Ox in like 20 minutes. Uh, so this account, the Pablo account with 80,000 followers that converted to Bowtie Pablo and has an avatar. <laughs> yeah, uh, he re- retweeted you. <laughs> yeah, well, he, he and I have been DMing the last like 20 minutes or so. Um, and he said, uh, I'm basically selling him on trying to come on Ox's space. And he said he wants to. Uh, this is before I told yo, mate, sounds good. When, when's that happening? So we'll see. But uh, and, and of course, Cerno and Ox know each other. So it, it's proof of concept. Like yesterday, Sponge did the first spaces. He did the first podcast. And you're seeing engagement. You're seeing tax advice. It's You're seeing Bully come alive and uh, talk about his background and Oh, yeah, I, I invited. I do not be a single guy in the kitchen and, and actually cook a good meal. It's, 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 it's coming alive. It's and it's and it's insane. Yeah, no, it's, it's pretty exciting. I invited Pablo onto my podcast, so we'll see if he responds. Hopefully, that'll be good. Yeah, if he comes onto the spaces tonight, then uh, maybe he'll come through. 
Uh, tax yeah. advisors coming through too. That's going to be really good. I got Katinga tomorrow. Katinga is going to be dope. I'm excited for Katinga. It's crazy how fast it's getting in terms of, it's almost like we were just speeding past the proof of concept stage where things like take like a year or two years to get to that stage. But I think everyone is like, been around for like a month or two months now it's like okay this is actually this is actually a thing like this is happening and i think everyone's starting to get more comfortable in terms of putting themselves out there and actually being being more engaging whether or not they're producing content or just getting on a spaces or getting on a podcast or something i think it's yeah. it's kind of crazy how just, just the speed of everything which kind of shows the appetite that was there that bull kind of i mean i'm gonna be there. honest I, i'm kind of surprised it didn't happen sooner like, cause I mean, I've only been in this like arena, so to speak for like a couple of weeks or so. And you know, there were, there, there's been an appetite for this stuff, like from day one. So like the, the fact that like I had the first podcast, you know, a few days ago with Barbary, I'm kind of surprised it. Sorry. It's kind of silly. It's like, yeah. Bonnie and Ox are talking about this first week of May. They had already been talking about it. I mean, I wasn't going to call it out true. like that, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, this, it's what I was talking about two days ago. He goes, oh, no. there's no such thing as an original idea. There's original execution. Yeah, no, he, he's right. But that, that, that's the thing. I mean, like, everyone should be doing this sort of thing constantly. Like, like there's no, like, it's not like there's uh, so few jungle animals and so few topics that we all are going to have to, like, fight over them or something. Like, every, we should be having, like, 15 podcasts a night simultaneously and everyone just, like, finds whatever one they feel like, you know, like. And the spaces, I think, are going to offer that opportunity. That's going to be nice because it's already integrated into Twitter. That's going to be great because people can like pop in and out. Oxus thing tonight's going to be huge. I, I, that one's going to be really huge. So I'm excited for that. Yeah, that's going to be a good one. I think also like at the beginning, I think there, the reason why I'm taking a little bit longer is I don't know if you all have noticed, at least at the beginning, I think every animal under the sun the first like week was starting to get taken up. And then you saw them go to like zero followers or following zero people or what have you. So I think people kind of got excited at first, but didn't really know how to, to go about doing things. And then they just kind of fell by the wayside. But I think after that, this next kind of wave of people who made their avatars and made their, their different um, animals within the jungle, they actually kind of realized what the vision was going to be. And that's where all this content and all this stuff has really started to accelerate. And we've seen conversions where it's an account that's not original Zero, zero, day one, it's the tax guy, it's Pablo, it's people converting existing yep. Twitter accounts to the jungle. Uh, our last piece I want to touch on, Bully, is Ox was mentioning a platform he's building with Monkey on, uh, I think it's health and wellness, fitness, but uh, I, I'm kind of really curious because you know, some, some accounts, myself included, on on a little bit I want to eat, and but it's mostly on you know, how to get yolks. But no one's talking about foods to cook, how to cook them, and and this, really the science, the art of of the kitchen. Uh, so I'm kind of like year, two years out. You've seen the jungle is moving fast. Where would you like to be if if you were making money doing what you want to do, uh, online, offline? What is it? in your interests, your brand, your hobbies, would you like to be able to do for a living? Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a good one right there. I mean, I would, I've always loved the, and I don't know how popular around where, where you all are, they are, but I've seen kind of different like meal prep companies or different things about in like the local area. Yeah, that oh, yeah, dude, fa uh, yeah Factor, there's like Fresh, yeah, there's a whole bunch of them, yeah. Those types of ones, but like, um, there's also like the smaller local ones that might be more bodybuilding or gym specific ones. I think like to me, uh, there's so much creativity that need, that you can have with meals and people don't eat well because they don't know how to make things not boring. And to me, like I would just find so much enjoyment of just making creative different ways for people to get in their macros the right way or just eat different ways, whether it be a keto diet or um, high carb diet, like whatever they want, just making it like delicious or unique and not necessarily boring because people for the most part the average person is not going to be able to eat boring meals for the for the most part so, i mean i would to me like that would be if i was the official meal prep company of, of the of the jungle oh, i would that, be very very happy with that <laughs> I, I don't i don't know bully you're gonna have to compete with my five wives from kyrgyzstan that i'm gonna have competing amongst themselves to see who's the top wife by giving me the best food you never know <laughs> 
Well, they'll just I'll have them have my recipes. I'll have to pay for my recipes, and then they can just make it for you. So I'll just make it that way as well. I like it. I like it. Make them all fight with the same resources, even <laughs> playing fields. Equal opportunity, unequal results. I'm a fan. Or you could compare the same one across all of them and figure out who the best actually is. Ooh, there we go. I like it. I like where this is going. All right. I'm going to uh, – well, of course, we're probably going to jump on the spaces a little bit. Uh, wrap it up. Any, any kind of – Lasting comments, questions, takeaways from uh, conversation. Nah, How about one improve, one improve for next time, for next uh, whoever that is, you, me, bully, whatever, uh, sponge bully myself. Uh, one improve. One improve. Maybe I don't know. Maybe have like a either a project or a coin or like one thing specific that you wanted to maybe touch base with them about like in terms of maybe not even a coin, just like if they, their sub stack, just like one article that they did or something that you, they can just like go either in more in depth that they didn't get to hit or, or something like that. Just like one piece of like focused information that like they can just kind of expand on to, to see if they didn't get out what they wanted to in it. Like maybe they just kind of fell short in terms of what they wanted to communicate or they just have a lot more to say about it than they could get on, on the paper. Specificity. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Specificity. Cool. I have an improve. Uh, I have an improve. How, how about we, we improve the part where we fix the link that goes on the Twitter? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 yeah. Think, I think we can improve that one real quick. Amateur hour. <laughs> Uh, one sustain like something, uh, something that's uh, a, a good setup or uh, exceeded expectations. What was the question? It's something that like exceeded expectations, or you would you know, do do again. Uh, or Barbara, like for my, me, that my, was my, having. Bobby, my expectations of you are so low, you exceed them every time. Oh hell yeah! <laughs> I love you, yeah. buddy. Keep the bar low, I'll raise that bitch every time. Uh, for me, I mean, I always love conversation formats. I mean, I love just going in there and like, obviously we have the talking points and everything like that, but I mean, just letting the conversation flow where it is. I mean, that's a, for me, that's what I like listening to and like what I like talking, at least that, that kind of style. So, I mean, that's, that's what I really enjoyed. I like the way they flowed and kind of seemed pretty seamless to me. Right. I do like the, Sponge, I appreciate you jumping in. Like long run, I want to get it from podcasts and most mainstream podcasts are like one-on-one almost they feel like an interview, even though it's like a dialogue and getting into this more intellectual sparring, like debating between different people, having conversations in, in groups, almost like the discord chat, but a little more organized and not having like so many people is just like, uh, un, un, uncontrolled. Um, yeah, man, for sure. But, uh, bully, Bowtie bully. Thanks for jumping on today. Uh, with the episode of data DGENs and, Sponge making a surprise appearance. Uh, Bowtie Bully, Substack, cooking and traveling, and, and more to come. Uh, that's all, folks. Appreciate it, man. Let's go to that appreciate space. You having, appreciate Our you games. having me on. More than happy to be on whatever you need me to. Absolutely. Thanks, brother. Right, thanks, later. guys.